Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I'm the worship pastor at Compass Point Bible Church, and today I am with Paul Eastwood. How are you doing, Paul? Excellent. Uh, we are continuing on our series called Rejecting Jesus, and this week we looked at the intellectual. Um, do you want to give us a little recap? What, what is it we were talking about on Sunday? Yeah, so so we, we looked at a story of a guy named Nicodemus uh, who, you know, comes to Jesus at night. And we, what we're recognizing is that he's in darkness in kind of more ways than one. That's the way the author wants us to know. John wants us hmm. to know that he's not just... He's not just coming out of the darkness because he's afraid of what others might think. He's actually in the darkness because he doesn't fully understand what's going on. So yeah. John wants to make that real crystal clear. Yeah. So we really start to think about the space between the darkness and the light. Hmm. And I think in, in our culture, a lot of times what happens when we start thinking around Jesus, we start to, you know, try to get our minds around it. And we ask the question, you know, why doesn't this make more sense? I don't, I, I'm not getting this. Like, you know, like if, if I could just figure this out and I think as Christians, we spend a lot of time running to things like podcasts or books, or, you know, it's like, if I can just hear the right message, hmm. then maybe it'll all be crystallized for me and I'll get it yep. and it'll be, it all figure it out. Or if we're someone who's exploring, um, you know, many people that, you know, um, who may have questions about Jesus, uh, they, they're just kind of saying, if you could explain it to me, if you could be crystal clear and it all makes sense to me, then I'd be in. And so what we, dis- what we discovered is this idea that a search for knowledge can sometimes actually shield us from actually getting to know the Jesus that we really want to know. Hmm. And the search for knowledge keeps us at a superficial level when what uh, Jesus was asking, he, ne- he realized this right away with Nicodemus, that what Jesus really wanted was to get at Nicodemus's heart and to begin to uh, help him understand what was going on um, by by him just kind of uh, not just getting to figure it out in his head, but actually fully understanding it in his heart. Hmm. And so that's that's kind of what we were talking about. This idea between how do we that space between darkness not figuring it out and the light getting it. Yep. Um, what does that look like, and how do we how do we work that through? Yeah, and I mean, it seems to me we've all got kind of a different balance between head and heart. Um, God's sure. wired us all a little bit differently to. Some of us love to engage in the deep questions and the, you know, you get into to all of the apologetics and, and how do I understand this? And some people very quickly are like, yeah, I believe it's great. And, and, you know, could actually do to have a little more intellectual side. Right. How do we, how do we live that balance out for those of us who are on one side or the other? What, what do you think the call of scripture is on us? Well, I think, I think what Jesus was getting at in this passage was, or what John wanted us to see in this passage as he wrote and what Jesus was explaining, um, was, about, was about entrance into the kingdom mm-hmm. along with seeing the kingdom. So I think for, the, for what we were talking about specifically, it's, about, um, if you, it's almost about this idea of crossing the line. How do I begin a new relationship with Jesus? How do I start? Mm-hmm. And in that context... Uh, knowledge is not going to get you there. So yeah. getting figuring it out is not going to allow you to begin a relationship with Jesus. Uh, that's that's that happens differently. It happens in in this idea of surrender. It happens in this idea of recognizing. Wait, I okay. There's more to this, and mm. and I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. Now, what you're describing in terms of the way we're wired, all of us find different ways to feel closer to Jesus and mm. feel closer to God. Yep. The pursuit of knowledge and asking good questions and figuring things out and debating and discussing, that can actually lead, for many of us, that leads to a much stronger faith, a yeah. much a much more vibrant faith. 
but the pursuit of knowledge will never get us to Jesus in the first place. Mm. And so I think that's what this passage was really getting at, is that if we try to make it, if, if, if our faith is solely a, an intellectual exercise, if it's yep. like, I just need to know the right answers, then our faith is going to be superficial as well. Sure. But what, what Jesus was looking at for Nicodemus was something that was much deeper, much deeper. Hmm. And this seems, um, that seems an especially good warning to us, those of us who have studied theology, who have spent a lot of time digging into this. Um, right. Right? Like, there, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, but if it's, if it's not getting to our hearts, right. um, there's something wrong there. And I shared, I shared in, on Sunday, and I'll say it again here, this is me. This was my experience growing up. I, I grew up in a church. I knew all the right answers. I answered all the questions that I was supposed to answer. I won the sword drills. I got points for memorizing scripture when I was a kid, you know, in whatever, yeah. you know, Bible class that I was involved in. And so for me, my faith was very intellectual. I grew up in a, in a home in my, my family where we debated constantly. If you came into my house, uh, even today, my brothers and I, we always debate things. It's kind of ridiculous. And, you know, our wives now are at a point where they just kind of walk away because they realize it's really, <laughs> it's just dumb. And I get it, it's dumb. But we enjoy that kind of debate and vigorous kind mm -hmm. of thinking it through. So for me, that's what my faith was. That's, that was my experience. And where, where for me, where the ball really dropped was was something that we talk about here at our church and that is this idea of living differently what i recognized is that my faith built on just a knowledge base was not making a difference in my life i was the same person who thought a little differently yeah and what i needed to be was a new person hmm. and i recognized this i had a conversation with someone and i said and you know we were sitting i remember where we were it was like a it was a i don't know if it was mcdonald's or burger king but i remember sitting in one of those booths you know with the plastic seats yep. and the table and yep. and i was I, I was sitting there across from from this guy and i asked him the question what difference does jesus make in your life because this person was kind of at a place where they were starting to walk away from from their faith and they were really struggling and i said what difference does god make in your life and he looked at me and he said not much in mm. fact there's not much and I walked away feeling, man, that's sad. And then all of a sudden, the for me, this is when like it dropped. Hmm. And I was like, that question was for me, not yeah. for him. And I realized that God wasn't making a difference in my life. And so I was saying, okay, what gives? And and I think, I think if Jesus were were having a conversation with me, if I went to him late at night and back then, he would have had the same conversation with me. He said, you know what, Paul, you need to be born again. You need something brand new in your life. And, and you want to keep it up here. You want to talk about all these things that you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I want to go deeper than that. Yep. Because because being a follower of Jesus is not about being able to answer questions on a test. That's, that's not what our faith is about. Our faith yep. has to be deeper than that. It makes a difference. It changes us. That's why we talk about this at our church, about living differently. I, I mean, I could go on. <laughs> and I get passionate about this because this really hits to the core yeah. of how God changed me. Yep. And if I were standing here, and I said this before, like a couple of uh, podcasts ago, if I were standing here with a, with a cardboard test to me, it, it would have been from apathy to passion. It's from this place of, I just, you know, my faith wasn't really making a difference in my life. And I yep. feel like it is today. And I hope that other people find that same, um, yeah. that same reality in their lives. Absolutely. Let me, let me go back. You just talked about being born again. And this is a, right. this is a phrase that comes out of scripture and a phrase that um, in this day and age might be, might be a little polarizing. Uh, I oh, suspect totally. there are some people who, who grew up in the church who gladly say, this is, this is something I am, I want to be, I think you should be. 
There are some people who grew up with uh, maybe a nominal view of Christianity, some people who have rejected Jesus, walked away, who would say, you know, born again, that's, that's kind of, nope, don't want to have anything to do with that. And there'd be a lot of people who have no idea what we're talking about in yes. this. Um, the difference between this and a phrase like fundamentalist, maybe, fundamentalist, sure. which was born out of this great idea of getting back to the fundamentals and is, to a point, been hijacked and, and turned into something that's maybe not quite that anymore. Yeah. Um, we, we don't really have the option of abandoning born again because Jesus talks about it. Yeah. So, so how do we, how do we view this? How do we engage with this and how do we maybe overcome some of the, the cultural barriers that come with this phrase? Yeah. So I totally agree with you being the idea of being born again for some people is, you know, no offense to, well, I'm just going to say it, but there are people who wear like homemade sweaters and have giant crosses and yell at people who are having abortions. Right. Yep. And, you know, this idea of being born again um, for many people um, has this negative connotation because it's attached to people who are so committed to moral, uh, you know, moral uprightness Mm -hmm. and and complete, you know, moral change that they become very hard and very Mm. um, and very cold in, in some ways. But here's the thing. Being born again is not a call to morality and religion. It's actually a challenge to morality and religion. Hmm. Let me explain what I mean, because I think this is really powerful. So so John chapter 3, Jesus meets Nicodemus. John chapter 4, he meets a woman at the well. The woman at the well is messed up. I mean, she's not got it together. She's she would be the kind of person that you would say, wow, you need to be born again. You need to change. You Mm -hmm. need something new. Nicodemus, you'd say man, right on, buddy. Like, just keep going. You're, you're good, right? Yeah. If, if our goodness mattered, if morality and religion was what it was all about, you would say, Jesus would say to Nicodemus, you know, here's a bar of soap, just wash a little and you're good. Like, don't yeah. worry, you're almost there. Just, you're good. But, and you would think that when Jesus goes to the woman at the well, he's going to say, you need a complete rebuild. Mm-hmm. And for the person who was morally good and upright, you would say, oh, he's, he's doing okay. But what Jesus does is he doesn't, he flips that. He actually goes to the person who's got it all together and he says, you need a complete rebuild. Hmm. And so what being born again is it's not about, it's actually a challenge to this idea of morality and religion because we've made morality and religion as something that sets us apart. But the truth is being born again sets us apart. And that's different. That's something that happens internally. It happens. And so for me, you know, I talked on Sunday about, you know, three big ideas that, that and, that and it starts with where I began there, that being born again means that it's across the board. It's all of us. Yep. You know, every one of us needs to be born again. I am no better as a pastor than the person who's in um, in jail for, for murder right now in the sense that we both need Jesus. Yep. Neither of us are going to get there on our own. Yeah. Um, the second thing about being born again is that it changes our perspective. It helps us see things differently. Uh, I believe that, you know, in the beginning of this passage where Jesus says to Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they've been born again. That means there's, there's, we, we miss things. We, we walk through life and don't see things because, because there's not this change on the inside. Yeah. But when that truly takes hold and takes root, we begin to see God at work. We start to see answers to prayer. We start to see the way that God is acting in a cer- certain situation. So it changes our perspective. And then the third thing I talked about was this new identity, yep. um, that being born into a family means that, you know, I have all kinds of family systems that, that change the way I perceive the world, Hmm. um, and change the way I, or who I think, or how I think I'm important. But when I'm in a new family, I have this new set of standards and this new reality that says, this is who I am because I'm a child of God. And so that changes, that changes everything for me. So being Hmm. born again is not about, 
morality or religion, being born again is about, is, is, is pushing all that aside. So like, I I just, to, to take that a step further, when we recognize there are places in our life where we need to repent of, and I, what I mean by repent is just ask for forgiveness because, you know, we think, you know, things are not right. And so, and oftentimes we ask forgiveness for the wrong things that we've done in life, but very rarely do we ask forgiveness for the things that we've done right, Hmm. where we say, oh, those things are going to make me um, better and closer to Jesus. But I need to go on my knees all the time and say, Jesus, forgive me for those times where I've tried to figure out the best way to get to you yeah. rather than just looking to you. Yeah. And it's often our motivations and our, the things right. that are like, not, not necessarily our actions, but the, the ways in which we do our actions. I mean, Jesus calls out, um, those who pray loudly and eloquently, um, you know, as, as there's something wrong there and not that there's anything wrong with praying eloquently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what's the motivation behind it. Totally. So how do we know that we've been born again? Well, I mean, <clears throat> in many ways, that's a very simple, um, uh, thing. And that, that's, I think one of the things that I think we, we often get wrong because I think most of us will say, well, if I'm not doing the right things, then I haven't been born again. Sure. Um, and I think that there's a lot of guilt that comes into the, and, and yep. when we start thinking about that, because we wonder like, how many times do I need to be born again? And do I need to do this, you know, over and over and over again? Mm-hmm. And the reality is the Bible's the Bible is clear that, you know, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the Bible tells us we're, we're told that, that our job is to turn to him and recognize that he is the one who can save us, yep. ask for and, and repent and believe. And those two things are, are what bring us into that, that kingdom. Um, I would say there's this really weird part in the passage where, where, where he actually talks about this idea of, um, uh, he says, just like Moses set up a snake in the wilderness and, you know, the, you know, and they looked on it, the son of man also needs to be lifted up. And, and that, I know, I understand that's confusing and there's a lot going on in there, but, but let me just kind of really simply clarify that again. I mentioned this on Sunday, but, but what we see in this passage is a very, a very clear picture of how do we become born again? What do we do? And what happened? Simple stories from numbers. Uh, the Israelites were doing the wrong thing. They were going the wrong way. All these snakes show up. God sends these as punishment to, and, and they start biting the people. Mm. So the poison is just flowing through their veins and they start dying. They're dropping off like flies. Yep. They come back to Moses and say, Moses, like we re- we realize we screwed up. This is our fault. We've made this mistake. What can we do? Yep. And so Moses hears from God that what he's supposed to do is, is put a stake in the ground with a, with a serpent on the top which is a symbol of their punishment. Remember, they've mm-hmm. been bitten by snakes. We're going to lift that that symbol of their punishment up. Even with the with the the poison coursing through their veins that's about to kill them, he says all you need to do is look. And I and I, I said on Sunday there were some people that were probably lying there could barely get their heads up off the ground and all they had to mm. do was fix their eyes on that snake. Mm. And all of a sudden they're healed. And it's you know, and so and there were other people who were probably, you know, still doing just fine, but the, the, the poison was still there, yeah. but they looked and they were, they were saved as well. And I think that this is a picture of what it looks like for us. We have sin that's coursing through our veins. We have the consequences of sin that's just kind of going through us. And, and what we're required to do is look, look to Jesus who was yeah. lifted up. His death is a symbol of our punishment. We see the death right in front of us. That's the reminder of what we are heading towards without him. And we believe in what he's done. 
And the Bible is so clear that once he begins a good work in us, he'll continue it on until the day of completion. God is, he, he, he's not in the habit of letting go. He holds on to us. And mm-hmm. to me, that is such a powerful reminder that, that all I have to do in terms of being born again is, is remember the places that, let me put it this way. Someone said once that, you know, I believe in like Jesus is in my heart, but grandpa's in my bones. Have you ever heard that expression? Mm, yeah, I yeah. think it's, um, uh, Pete Scazzaro says that quite often, a uh, pastor in, in Queens, but he, this idea that we have to recognize that our grandparents, our humanness is, is in our bones and we need to recognize those places where it keeps popping up and remind ourselves to keep going back to the fleshy stuff, the heart, um, reminding us that we've been born, um, in a new way. Yeah. I mean, it, it took Nicodemus a while to get there. Yeah. Right. Um, how do we, how do we deal with that? I, especially, I think especially for those who, who were raised in the church and who have some of these academic questions, um, yeah. who, who are thinking through things intellectually and have gone from a position of childlike faith. Um, you know, I accepted Jesus when I was a kid, I went to Sunday school and now, well, I'm, I'm less sure the world seems more complicated. Some of these truths seem a little more hidden or nuanced. What do we do with that? So to me, one of the best parts of this story is, is that it's long. And what I love about what John does, he, he names Nicodemus in the story, which I think is very interesting. You get mm-hmm. the woman at the well, the man yep. born blind, and you get Nicodemus. Nicodemus's story seems to end at the end of this passage, and he, he seems to go away confused. At least that's what the, the author wants you to believe as, mm-hmm. he reads, as you read this. But then he shows up again. And then he shows up again um, in in several places in the New Testament, in in the book of John. And John wanted to tell you how his story ends. And what we see in the story is here's a guy who had questions, who asked for, you know, what was going on. And um, and he walked away, wasn't sure, you know, then all of a sudden he appears again. But eventually it's it seems clear that he came into the family of God. He was the one who was bold enough to ask for Jesus' body when the disciples were all afraid. Mm. Um, he was the one who was going to stand out at the risk of everything that he had, his reputation and all that. So here's what I want to say. I, I think that there are people who are listening to this podcast who are who are in a place of questioning. I think there are people who are hearing this and saying exactly what you said. I've grown up in the church but I'm hearing a lot of things around that make more sense than what I read in the Bible. I mean, there's talk about all these weird things and there's miracles and all this stuff happening. How do I really know? How can I really get my head around it? And, and I would say that, you know, number one, if we keep our search at a superficial level, we're going to get superficial answers. And so I would say that, um, that our responsibility is to lean in because and and lean into the faith that you were grow, that you grow up in. Um, look to experience it. Watch for God at work around you. We ask our kids this question all the time. Um, you know, where do you see God work ar- at work around you? Where do you see God work through you? And where can you use more of His help? And I would say that we need to be asking those questions even as adults. Um, mm-hmm. Lean in. The second thing I would say though is if you have questions. One thing that we see about Nicodemus, the next time that he appears, he's in the he's with his the other Pharisees, and what we see the way he speaks, he speaks in questions, hmm. which is really interesting. It almost seems like almost, almost all of his dialogue is a question um, that we hear. And I would say that if you're in a place where you're questioning, um, don't walk away and walk away sad like the rich young ruler or just yep. disappear. Yep. 
I would say, keep asking questions, Mm -hmm. keep asking questions. And here's what in the church, we, we get so weirded out by questions. We think that if you ask a question, it means you don't believe anymore. And then we all run around like our hair's on fire. I would say, ask those questions to people you trust. And, um, and I think that that is the way forward for us. Keep asking questions, keep leaning in, recognizing that, that our pursuit can't be just a head knowledge. There has to be more to it. And so, you know, that's something that I, I, you know, I really think is important for those of us who are asking these questions. Yeah. I, I often tell people, you know, don't, don't be afraid of big questions. Don't, you know, yes, we, as a church have things we believe, uh, and, and, you know, you may be questioning something that's outside of that and okay. Um, but I believe that our God is big enough for any of our questions. Mm-hmm. There's, there's always an opportunity and always an opportunity for us to have conversation. So um, come talk to us. If you've got big questions, yeah. um, come search the Bible with us. We would love to be on that journey with you mm-hmm. because we think Jesus is the answer. Jesus is, is where, yeah. where it's all leading to, um, and, and it's a good ending. So yeah. anything else you want to say, Paul? Yeah, I, I would just say, you know, just as a, a lot of times when we look in the Bible, we see these, these moments of, you know, Paul on the Damascus road, the woman at the well, people who just drop everything and follow Jesus right away, yep. um, where Jesus appears in their life. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, everything changes. And, and I think that sometimes for, for those of us who, you know, maybe some people who are listening to this, that can be a little bit disheartening. Cause we're mm-hmm. like, that's not my story. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I didn't experience Jesus that way. Um, perhaps you experienced Jesus like Nicodemus, you know, maybe you were a person who has been asking questions and you're still asking questions and you're, you're still on that journey. What I love about Nicodemus's story is that yes, he appears a couple of times in the, in the book of John, but we don't get the details of his story. And I think the fact that we don't get the details of our story reminds us that we can insert our own lives into that story. We can recognize that our stories all might be different too. Um, but Jesus is worth pursuing and, and I think as long as we keep our eyes fixed on him, and as long as we make a practice of turning our eyes away from ourselves and our own understanding and everything else, uh, and I'll say this too, I think I've read just recently um, in a book that I'm reading with by Tim Keller, that if you don't, if, if God doesn't, uh, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase, but he says that if, if, if your God isn't um, questioning things that you believe or, or sort of pushing you in areas um, then if, if your God just agrees with you in, in every way, then that's a sign that you've created your own God, yeah. right? And I think that for us, the, the questions and the pushback and all of that stuff reminds us that we actually serve a real God um, who has real standards and real expectations um, that, that are not just what makes sense. Hmm. Sometimes it's beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, let's, let's call it there. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening along this week in Postscript. And uh, next week, we're going to be off. I am away, but we will, we'll catch up and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Have awesome. a good one.